Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. So good to feel his richness, uh, his spirit that has never, it, it never ceases to amaze me walking into a service and you think, oh, we've sang that song before. But there's always something inside of me that always churns within me. It says I'm back in an apostolic service. I'm in the mix of something that can change me. Something that's going to make a difference in somebody's life tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. I want to jump into the Word of God tonight. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 21. We'll read several passages of scriptures. Pastor, I mirror your concern and your desire to be a part of an old-time Pentecostal church. Amen. I may be a young man, but I remember so many things growing up. They are not too far removed that God cannot put them back in our midst today. Amen, amen. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 21 says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again on the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him and saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, thou shalt not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 47. Verse 47 says, And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? They came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. Amen. Can we lay our Bibles down and ask God to minister to our hearts and minds today? Hallelujah. Master, we worship you. We thank you for this opportunity of this house, Master. To be able to lift our hands, our cares, our worries, everything unto you, God. To feel the richness of your spirit, God. The one that changes us, God. Hallelujah, Master. We worship you today. We ask you, God, to touch and anoint each and every one of us. Touch our minds today, God. Allow us, God, to continue in your presence. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight. We love you, Master. You're glorious, God, full of victory and mercy. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated. I want to take just a brief moment and lay a foundation before we jump into the message tonight. <clears throat> the cross and what it represents is the focal point of the gospel. You remove Calvary out of the scriptures, out of every book of the Bible that references and prophesies about it. And you've lost all value and meaning of the scriptures because it has us doing something when it's not the central core component of Calvary that we can all go towards. So many people want to water down the Calvary experience to where it's just, oh, just focus on the scriptures. Just focus on the fringes of the word of God and he'll lead you onto a deeper walk with him. 
But saints of God, we must have Calvary in our life. Without the cross, we have lost our sense of direction, our true north focus in our life. The sacrificial system of the Old Testament was temporary and only worked when those that offered them took looked ahead by faith to the promises of the Messiah who would be the final and supreme sacrifice. When we look through scriptures, we find that when Jesus came into this world, he worked many miracles and he healed the sick and he taught principles and, and the conduct and how we would live. But, you know, if you took Calvary out of it, it would just be a man walking and doing miracles. His sole purpose was to make his way to Calvary. His sole purpose was to lay his life down for each and every one of us. But he gave us a friend, an adversary, to drive us closer to him. The advent of the cross was not only become the driving point of the calendar, it is the event that divides the story of each and every one of our testimonies. We look back at who we were before Calvary, and we talk about who we are after Calvary. It is the dividing event in our life where we look back and say, thank God my testimony begins here. Thank God that I had a point in my life that I made my way to an old-fashioned altar, and God filled me with the Holy Ghost. You take that out and you're just Mother Teresa. You're just a good person trying to do good things. But you put Calvary in there. A place that means something. A place that changed your life more than just, I read a scripture or I had my daily bread. You place it in there and it gives meaning to your testimony. It was Jesus' willingness to undergo the horrible event of the cross, the whip, the crown of thorns, the mocking and everything that happened that is upon him, it was his resurrection that made it possible that we could have, as Pastor was talking about, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. It was because he lives that we can have the Holy Ghost today. It was the experience that began Pentecost that makes it possible to have a church in this city today. A church in every city that an apostolic preacher walks into and begins to preach this Jesus name message, whether it be in a, in a church, whether it be in a home, in a basement, in a community center, whether it be in a restaurant, God is still reaching out to that city and allowing the opportunity for them to experience Pentecost. All because Calvary happened. Every saint of God must come to the cross. If your pride won't let you get there, you're never going to make it. God instructed us through His Word that we must all carry our personal cross. To carry our cross means that we must... Deny the desires of our flesh. The things that keeps us from following after Him. As Pastor was talking this morning, there are valuable things in our life that drive us to Him. Just as He denied His will, God said, I'll lay it all aside. Jesus said, listen, I must do something. The cross of self-denial, we find, is not a popular concept. But it is as the Apostle says, unto us which are saved, it is the power of God unto salvation. You can peruse the internet. You can look through uh, books and research and you'll find people, people when it comes around Easter time that they'll get down and they'll have themselves nailed to a cross all to symbolize that they're doing what Jesus did. And they'll walk with a cross tied to their back and hold it with ropes and let their backs be beaten with whips just to symbolize what Jesus done. But nobody can never take the place of Jesus. It's just a symbol. It's just a crucifix. 
It's just an item you can make out of wood and stone and, and paint it on materials. It's just a cross. But when you have Jesus on it, it becomes a valuable thing in your life and say, I've knelt on my knees. His blood has flowed over me. I've looked up into his eyes and he told me he forgives me. That's when the cross becomes valuable in your life. As Jesus makes his approach to Calvary, we find two men that I read in my message earlier. Two men, two, 12, two of the twelve disciples that came up from them and said, Jesus the betrayer. And we have Simon Peter. Strangely enough, Jesus spoke of Peter calling him Satan. While calling Judas the betrayer, friend. How interesting when you read through the scriptures and you see that Peter's intent in his heart was saying, God, I don't want you to be removed from us. And you see Judas walking up and saying, if you'll give me a little bit, I'll take you to him. I'll mark him and I'll let you know just who it is you need to take care of. Two men, they were called opposites. One friend, one called Satan. Simon Peter, who claimed to be Jesus' friend and one of the most loyal disciples was really his worst enemy because he'd done one thing. He tried to stand between Jesus and the cross. He tried to get in between something out of his own selfish interest and saying, don't do it. Save yourself. You don't have to do this. He was the worst enemy for my sins. He was the one person that tried to stand between my Savior and myself. He's the one person that tried to rip Calvary out of the Scripture, out of a selfish interest of saying, you don't have to do this. There are many Peters in this world today who want Christianity without a cross. They want a feel-good religion that accommodates the desires of their flesh. They want something that will make them feel good. They'll stand there and wear their fancy clothes and, and they'll sing their songs. And as pastor said this morning, they'll have their hands at half-mast because that's all they can muster from their testimony. But there's something in my testimony that tells me I wouldn't be where I am today if it hadn't been for Calvary. And my hands have to be lifted up with praise and worship. And I have to say there's something instinctive inside of me that says, He's in this place. I must worship Him. It's not just a simple charismatic, think of Jesus. Yes, you're here. Sing the same song. Strum your little guitar. Tap your tambourine. But God's saying, give me everything inside of you. Sometimes we find in our life, it's the family that feels that we're getting far too involved in church and they become the Peter in your life. Sometimes it's the voice of those religious friends who are concerned about your involvement in this tongue-talking Jesus name church and they begin the voice the concerns of Peter and letting you know you don't have to go this way. It may be the voice of a wayward Pentecostal who once sat on these pews or a pew across this nation or somewhere in this world who are pr promoting bargain basement salvation saying you don't have to do this. There don't need to be any convictions. Those are your pastors, not your own. He can't preach that to you. That's not in the scriptures. That's the voice of Peter speaking in your life. We find as we read through scripture where there is no cross, there is no power. Do not let the Peters of your life prevent you from stepping up into your calling that God has for each and every one of you. As you sit here today, you're not the finished and final product. Don't convince yourself, this is all I will ever be. Don't settle 
for second rate and being the one sitting behind and saying, someday I'll be first chair. God has called each and every one of us as sons and daughters to be first chair in the wheel of God. Nobody should sit back and say, I'll let them do it. God has called us to be the one that represents him, his word, his testimony, the power of his might. And they can sit there and say, I'm in the perfect will of God. We look in through scripture and how easy it is. We find time after time examples of people who settle for things that they were not supposed to be in their life. We find that Judas was really Jesus' best friend. Jesus could call him friend because his betrayal is what took him to Calvary. His betrayal is what took him to the cross. He was that much closer, one step closer to the cross. When Judas walked up and kissed him on the cheek, I wonder in my imagination, I wonder if the humanity of Jesus says, one more step. I'm almost there. I'm just a few days away from my purpose. I'm just a few days from bringing this all together and bearing all the sins of this world. Just one more step closer. We find that Judas was the one, the catalyst, that took him and stepped him forward. We read through scriptures, you'll find in John chapter 6 and verse 70, it says, And Jesus answered them, Have I not chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? The enemy, one that is hostile towards our purpose. Judas was Jesus' greatest disappointment. Can you imagine sitting there walking past her with men that you handpicked, men that you slept with, that day after day and you traveled with and you broke bread with and you prayed with, seen all your miracles, the one who betrayed you. It is no different for it to be one of us to walk in to an apostolic service and do our best to sabotage a service. We're sitting there saying, devil, I'll let you know who to look for. I'll let you know who has the problem. And we fill out the service and we can sit on the preacher. We can sit on the music. We can sit on the prayer. And we're just doing the same thing as Judas. We're killing a service. But if we look at it, we can all be the catalyst to somebody to find Calvary. We don't have to betray this truth like Judas. But we can lead somebody to God through a service such as this. We can create the atmosphere where they walk in the back doors, they say, somebody has created that atmosphere. There's something good about this house of God. Has the devil sent of Judas in your life? Judas is that individual or that circumstance that has made you broken. Judas is that mistake that has left you with a sense of shame and failure. It may be someone you love. It may be someone you hate. It may be someone you really don't know, but there's going to be somebody in your life that's going to try to drag you out of this church, going to try to drag you away from your walk with God. There's going to be somebody that's going to walk in and they're going to act like you're your friend. But at the last minute, they're going to reach up and they're going to kiss you on the cheek. The devil's just going to unleash an unholy war on your walk with him. And he's going to walk in and say, oh, remember those times you confided in me and things you said you don't understand about truth and Things you said, I don't understand how people can do this and sit on an apostolic pew. And 
that point of weakness when you said, I don't understand everything my pastor says. The devil's going to reach in there and grab each and every one of those words. And he's going to drag it before your memory and put it on a card and say, remember this. And try to question your walk with God and say, you might as well walk out. You've already asked the questions. The Judas in your life will drag your walk with God in front of you. Don't begrudge Judas. God is going to use him to bring about the will in your life. God's going to use him to make you stronger in God. Because of a friend like Judas, we seek the cross, Brother Jared. It's because of people like Judas that we pray and we grow. I could name people in my personal life that they're people that I say, I don't ever want to be like this person. I don't ever want to act like this person. I don't want to ever get this person's attitude. I don't ever want to get this person's spirit. I don't ever want to talk about the ministry like this person. I don't ever want to run down the saints of God like this person. I don't want to ever discredit that somebody's testimony like this person. There's Judases in my life that drive me to a daily prayer, that drive me to the Word of God and say, God, don't ever let me be like that person. If I was to say, take them out of my life, the influence that they had where I could sit back and say, I learned a lesson by watching them. I've learned a lesson by watching their lack of prayer. I've learned what roads they've went down. Douglas, don't ever go down that path again. Don't ever follow them. You may have held their hand for a moment and realized this doesn't look right. And you turned around and went back to this path that was straight and narrow, not the one that was wide and full of cotton candy and ice cream. Let me tell you, saints of God, this road is not easy, but it's right. It's not one that you're going to skip and jump rope and, and walk down there and picking apples off trees and going through the orchard of life. But it's the right road. It's the path that leads us under righteousness. It's the path that leads us under truth. Remember a story by Mate Saiso, Brother Bass, had posted this on a minister's forum some time ago. And this story, Pastor, stuck with me to this day. Some of you other brethren may have seen it. Brother Bass was telling a story about a faithful saint of God that went to church every service, was faithful to the house of God. Her husband wasn't in church, and her husband, would, she would come home and he would beat her for going to an apostolic service. She would be kneeling down in prayer, and he would grab her by her hair and pull her away from her place of prayer. He was just the thorn in her flesh. Always a trial. She'd walk in the back doors of the service. Brother Bass said she would have black eyes. And you could see where domestic violence had taken its toll on her. But one day, one day, he passed away. Everybody thought this is what she needed. She was faithful. She's faithful to the house of God. Everything that he did to her, God's going to reward her. Before you knew it, as Brother Bass said, she missed another service. She'd go a little bit, miss another service. Till finally she stopped walking behind through those back doors to church. What you think, what you need out of your life, the Judas in your life that you wish God would just remove, may be what's keeping you on this apostolic pew. What you think you know about the will of God in your life, what you think you know better than the pastor and the scriptures, may be just the person or the thing that's keeping you coming through those back doors every service. You can't push everything out of your life. Because the moment you do, the devil's going to push another thing right in and say, you thought that one was bad. Here's another one. He's just as bad. 
You may think if I could just remove this person and you walk with God and you feel like you're so shallow and I just can't jump into the depths of the scripture. I, I just can't get into the depths of worshiping him. And if God would just remove this person out of my life, they're causing me to stumble. And I can't seem to focus when they're sitting on that pew. And I know what they're really like. And they're worshiping God and I can't. They may be the person that's going to drive you to an altar and say, God, change me. Allow me to worship you. Allow me to get past my thinking in my mind. Allow me to walk in this church and be able to open up my heart to worship you. Every person we meet in our life are the instructors. Every man or woman or child we see in our life are instructors. Some teach us what to do and some teach us what not to do. Being a part of new life has taught me many things. There are so many that sit here on these pews that I say I want to have a walk with God just like them. That's commendable of the saints of God. That's commendable that people can sit here and name people and say, you know what, when I grow up, I want to be just like them. They've been faithful to the house of God, Pastor. They stand behind the ministry. They're always there to do things around the church. That's people that I can look at and say in new life, there's people that I want to be just like. But there was always someone on the flip side that we can look at on our job. Brother Merriman and I was talking the other day, yesterday I believe it was, a man who calls himself a Christian. No doubt you say, I never want to be like him. Because the man doesn't manage his words, his language, his conduct. He says he what he is, but he doesn't back it up with his actions. Saints of God, there's people that walk through these pews, to these pews, and sit down, they're the same way. They may be the person that's making you a stronger saint of God today. You may get frustrated. You may get mad. You may say they're not doing anything, but they might be the person that's driving you closer to Him. Leave them in the hands of God and let God take care of their life. The lesson is anything that would stop you from selling out to all the cross in your life is an enemy. <clears throat> anything that's going to push you away from Calvary, anything that's going to take and lead you away and say you no longer need to go there every day, you're good for the week, you're good for the month. Anything that's an enemy, anything that draws you closer to God is a friend. Anything that says, listen, you need Him, He's your friend. In closing, there's a couple of things that I wanted to go through. We could see and we look through Paul's life. We read the Scriptures. Paul, the thorn in his flesh. If God was removed that, I wonder just the man that Paul would be. Because he says it was in his weakness that he was made strong. Just because someone's being a thorn in your flesh doesn't mean they need to be removed. Joseph's brothers, they were a thorn in his flesh, but they're what made him strong. Inadvertently, they became his friends because they promoted him as you read through Scripture. Jesus called Judas a friend, but yet he rebuked Peter. Jesus intended harm, but Peter pre pre intended preservation. Judas was in the will of God. Peter was not. We look through scriptures. And we can see that a friend will not lie to you. A friend will not let you continue in a lie. He that loves me will correct me or else destine me to bring me to this precious truth. He will tell me about my failure that's going to happen in my life. In closing, if we could stand and musicians please come. In Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 6, 
says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. I don't know, I just know the burden that God placed on my life, on, my, on me today with this message. I don't know who it could be speaking to, but faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Another translation says, faithful are the wounds of a lover. And abundant the kisses of an enemy. This is the contrast that's inflicted by one who truly loves us. Though they tear into our flesh and we get fearful, they're ones that's drawing us closer to Him. We find on the contrary, the enemy offers the kisses to Him whom He wishes all evil. We can look over our life and we can think of people who've said things in confidence trying to draw you away from truth trying to draw you away from your pastor, trying to draw you away from your friends. And they sit there, and they talk to you, and you sit there and you shared your time with them. And you sat down and you said words, and you confided in them. And they sit there and they kissed you on the cheek, and they said, oh, you should be used in another church. You know what? You're much stronger than this. You know, another pastor would love you. And they begin to kiss you on the cheek and tell you things to make you feel good. But it's not the right words. It's not the words you need to hear. They sit there and they said, oh, you're so talented. What are you doing there? Oh, man, we could use you over here. You're such an instrument. You could be a tool in the hand of God. And they kiss you again. Deceitful are the kisses of the enemy. But let me tell you what's faithful. The Word of God. Your pastor's voice. The one that gets up every service and says, if you'll just follow me. If you'll just read the Scripture. Your family will read scriptures and say, it doesn't say you have to go to service every time the doors are open. They'll open up scriptures and take them out of context. And they'll say, you don't need to go to that apostolic church. And they'll reach over and out of a love, you'll know they, they love you, but they'll reach over and kiss you on the cheek and try to tell you something that's trying to pull you away. They're your enemy. They're the ones that's trying to get between you and Calvary. They're the ones that's trying to pull you out of this church. They're the ones that you need to get up and say, listen, I'm tired of you sitting there kissing me on the cheek and doing one thing and telling me words that are trying to pull me away and, and you're taking my testimony and saying, but, 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 when I tell you how God's changed my life, you say, but, you try to interject something and say you don't need to, but saints of God, we have to get something inside of us that says, listen, your kisses are deceitful, but the words of truth will ring in my ears and draw me to Calvary and say, listen, this is where I belong. This house is where I belong. These pews is where I belong. These messages that I hear is where I belong. Don't try to pull me out of this church with meaningless words and kiss me on the cheek and kiss me on the neck and make me feel your affection. It's all empty. It's all in vain. Deceitful, abundant, very lavish is the enemy of the kisses that cover hypocrisy, treachery, conspiracy. But lavish of them only, his courtesy goes no deeper. It's just to try to deceive you. There's a scripture that I want to say. Psalms chapter 141 and verse 3. It says, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Incline not my heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked works with men that work iniquity, and let me not eat their dainties. 
Let the righteous smite me. It shall be a kindness. Let him reprove me. It shall be an excellent oil, which shall not break my head, yet for my yet for yet my prayers also shall be in their calamity. Saints of God, there is a structure, there's something in place in our life where we need each other. It's the positive reinforcement of I'm praying for you. It's the positive reinforcement of coming and sitting on a pew and people not wondering where they at. It's you sitting there, your consistency, your faithfulness is the one that reaches out and says, we can do this together. It's not your words that walk up and say, you know what, we no longer need you around here. You contribute zero, nada, nothing. But we need to stand up together, saints of God. Pull everybody together and say, listen, we're in this together. Who is my friend? It's the pastor. It's the ministry. It's the word of God. It's the saints of God. That's who my friends in this church are. They pull me closer. It's your influence that pulls me. And pastor, I don't want to cross the line, but you can look at the Trinity. And you can say, is that a friend or an enemy? It's false. But let me tell you what, there's something inside of me that says I don't ever, ever want myself to fall and say it's truth. Trinity pushes me closer to God. Trinity and charismatics push me closer to God. Because there's something I was raised in. It's called an apostolic one God, tongue-talking church. One that when they pulled out the bottle of oil, it was the intent to heal, not a show and showmanship. But it was someone saying, I have a need in my life. And God saying, I'm here to meet you with it. And the pastor or the minister reaching over because it's the words that are faithful that says, bring them to the house of God and I'll take care of them. Can we lift our hands and ask God to show us, show us God down deep in our life who is our friend and who is our enemy God. Each and every person God that you have in my life, show me who they really are. Show me their purpose in my life. Am I to win them? Are they to drive me closer to you, Master? Show me what they're to do in my life, God. I don't want to push people away, Master, that's allowing me to come in this church and lift my hands and to feel your presence time and time again, Master. Keep them in your prayers. Hallelujah. Let's talk to him tonight. Hallelujah. Let's worship him. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus.